Well, good morning, Access Church. How are we doing today? Good, good to see you guys. Uh, we are in this series called uh, Home Team, and I think that I'm finding in, in so many of the conversations that I'm a part of these days, it seems like the focus is on the family. If I'm just talking to an individual in my community group or here in our men's gathering or just in the hallways between services, it seems like the thing that dominates conversation is something about marriage, something about family, and many, many things about our children. It seems like almost every conversation somehow then goes back to our children, their activities, their sports, their personalities, the pressures they face. Social media, challenges with parenting, wanting the best for our kids, concerns about our country. And this is dominating the kind of conversation that we're having, which is why we decided let's, let's get back to talk about the family for a little while and, because it's a topic that's on everybody's mind. And I want to say right up front that I know that some of you are retired and you're like, hey, my kids are out of the house and maybe this doesn't relate to me as much. Or maybe you're a, a single parent and, and you're like, well, when we talk about marriage, I'm, I'm not married right now. Or maybe you're single and you're like, I don't ever want to be married. And maybe this series doesn't relate to me at all. Or, or maybe you're thinking, I, I'm married. I, I want to have a child, but we just haven't been able to. And, and so with all of that, you think sometimes this doesn't apply. But can I just say, all of us have influence on the next generation, first of all. Secondly, anytime the Word of God is open, it teaches us and informs us. It changes us a little bit. So as we go through the Word of God today, I, I just really hope that it'll encourage you and, and, uh, and that it'll instruct you as you influence the next generation and as you live your life uh, in Christ. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 3, talks about building a home, and it says, By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And so today, I just want to start by just praying for the wisdom that God has for our families. God, we just pray today that as we come together as a church family, that we would be able to learn, that we would grow, that we would understand more about what it means to be a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a mom, a dad, a child, an influencer, God, in this generation. What does it mean to live as Christ's people, living by Christ's values in this generation? So God, we just ask for that. We pray for your wisdom and direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to read from Deuteronomy 11. I know Josh last week started with, you know, a rousing version of take me out to the ball game, and it's all fun, man. Today, we're just digging right into the text, all right? So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 11, and Josh read Deuteronomy 6 last week. We're going to do Deuteronomy 11. This is as God's people, God's instructing them on now life in the new world, life uh, in the promised land. And he says this, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be, in the, may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your forefathers. God says, I have some words to give you. I'm going to give you some values. I want to give you some instruction today. And this instruction is so important. I want you to put it on your arm, your forehead, your mind, your actions, your house. Put them everywhere because that's how important these values are. Every team has a team culture. Every team has team values. Now, what I want to do today is just talk to you about these values. Because, guys, listen, 
How can we raise children with Christian values in a world where there are so many spiritual landmines? How do we raise kids today? How do we influence the next generation when we want them to grow up under our umbrella of, of protection and, and care, and yet we're finding so many of them as they leave high school, leave the faith. And we don't want that. We want them to be in the, in the word. We want them to be learning these values. And so it is imperative that we learn these and we teach them to our kids. Years ago, um, my mom and dad were doing uh, a, uh, a special Valentine deal for our church uh, back in Dayton. And they were going to teach. And so what are they going to teach on? I thought they would give us like a little three-point message. They gave us a several-point message based on the word Valentine. And I don't remember all what they stood for. V stands for this. E stands for this. A stands for this. Sorry. Uh, my bad. Anyway, go through the word Valentine. And then, uh, but the only thing I do remember through the talk was they said this. Before they had children, they remember it was on a New Year's Day. They were in bed. They're there talking about what kind of family they want to have. And here's what they said for their goal. Number one, they want their family to be together in heaven. Seems like a reasonable goal, right? And number two, they want their family to want to be together in heaven. Now that's important because not only did they want us to be in eternity together, they wanted us to enjoy one another. And so they lived out those values. And today I'm going to give you a lot of principles, okay? I'm going to hit you with a lot of content and this is the kind of thing where you'll want to either take notes or you can come back to it later online and take notes. But I'm going to give you seven values that I think we hold dear as people who follow Christ. And then I'm going to give you some kind of application or principles on how to uh, develop that within your family. Okay. Value number one. We value God as the source of all things. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God made the world and the universe out of nothing. He is an all-powerful, all-knowing God. He is holy. He designed us. He created us. Now, the world counters that value with, with a principle that says that you are really an evolutionary accident, that through over hundreds of millions of years, you, uh, through a primordial soup, were eventually developed into who you are now. You are the top of the evolutionary chain. And, and I want you to think about that because if you believe that or espouse that, that has massive implications and it has massive implications for our next generation. If you tell a child that they really have no purpose, that they have no intention, that there was no design behind them, that no one created them, that no one uh, in the universe, that, that the God of the universe designed them for a reason, then they are left with the idea that all of their life is just about the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years that they live here. Get all of it that you can out of it because that's all there is. And yet we believe that there is a designer, that there is purpose, that God from the very beginning had a design. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. God's design. And so we seek to impart our, to our children that God is the source of all things. There is one true God. Number two, we value the earth as the creation of God. God looked at his creation and said, it is good. He placed man in the garden and said, I want you to take care of it. 
And then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, it says, The earth and everything in it is the Lord's. So we are just caretakers of the earth. Therefore, we're to respect the earth and the plants, the animals, the rivers, the mountains, and all of our possessions as belonging to God. Now, some people counter that today. In fact, all of these values are under attack today. But there are people who counter this and they want to exploit the earth or they want to abuse it or, or they want to just be careless with it. And yet there are others who take it to the other extreme and, and they want to worship the earth. They think that Mother Earth is the source of all things and should be worshipped. And, and the Bible actually said there will come a day where they seek to, to worship created things rather than the creator. There's a lot of talk about the earth today. There's a lot of talk about the changing climate. I remember back in the 1970s when I was a kid growing up, it was global cooling. Did you know that? And they believed it was because of the flagellation of cows. This is literally the case. Look it up. Cows just flagellated too much, therefore our world is cooling. Today it's global warming. That didn't work out great, so now it's climate change. Bottom line is I'm not worried. I have never been worried. Here's why. Number one, because God, the, the creator in the Bible, talks a lot about how one day Jesus Christ is going to split the sky and he's going to return to this earth. And when he does, he won't, let, he won't let this world be destroyed until the day where he shows up again and he redeems it for himself. So I've just never worried about it. And yet at the same time, I believe that we should teach our children to be respectful and to be good stewards of any gift that God has given us. And that includes his creation. He said to Adam and Eve, you have dominion over the earth. I give you every green plant for food. He said Noah, to Noah, I give you everything that lives and moves the animals for food. And so we care for it. And yet we also know that we have dominion over it. Somebody said they saw a bumper sticker one time that read, if animals aren't supposed to be eaten, why are they made out of meat? Which I thought was a funny line. We value the earth as God's creation. Whether or not you just eat vegetables or you eat meat, doesn't really matter. What matters is that you take care of God's creation. Number three, we value people as the image of God. Genesis 1:26. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the livestock over all the earth. We believe that human beings are unique and created in the image of God with body, soul, and spirit. And every person is important because they have been fashioned in their mother's womb. God knows the number of hairs on your head. God even knows your name. The Bible says that God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and how much more important are you than they. And so all people everywhere are to be treated with respect, kindness, justice, forgiveness, regardless of age or race or sex or disability. Now today, our differences are exploited, and, and there's a massive effort to divide. I just believe that we're part of one race, the human race, and that the beautiful diversity within humanity is what makes us stronger in who we are together, all of us created in the image of God. Therefore, we honor all people, even when we disagree. We, we honor the elderly, even though some say they should be shelved and put aside. We honor the unborn, even though some say they're not valuable. We honor those who have disabilities, even though some say, well, let's just put them somewhere and let's not worry about them. We seek to communicate to our children that God loves everybody, red, white, yellow, black. They're all precious in his sight. 
And we're to do it to other people as we would have them do to us. Number four, we value the Bible as the truth of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God communicated in His Word a moral standard. He told us that He created us. He told us that we broke His law. He told us that, that because of that, there would be a death penalty that we would all have to face that God in his wisdom sent Christ to pay that death penalty on the cross. That's called the gospel, that he died for us, that he resurrected from the grave. All of that is communicated in this good word, the good news, the Bible. And that, that's what we teach here. A couple of weeks ago, we had starting point class. We had a full class. We've had so many new people coming to church. And we had Mr. and Mrs. Noel there. And I think this is the first Sunday they, they, they've missed, but they've been here for two months. And they're a cute little couple that comes shuffling in, if you guys have seen them. And, and they might be the oldest people who come to Access Church. And when they got here the first time, I thought, I don't know if they're going to stay. I told them this, so I'm not speaking out of school, by the way. And uh, they came in, shuffled in. I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they'll stay. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll like our music. Maybe we I don't know. I told him this is starting point. She said, and Mr. Noel, he goes, my name is Ray. He said, I was Lutheran, so I was sprinkled. I was Nazarene, so I was dunked. I got all my bases covered. I got them all covered. I was like, okay. And then uh, I'm, I'm talking about through the class how we're a Bible teaching church. Miss Noel rose her hand. She said, that's why I'm part of this church. She said, I'm part of this church because those pastors teach the Bible. And then a little bit later, I'd say something else about how the Bible was God's word and we teach the Bible. And she would say, that's why I'm part of this church. Those pastors, they teach the Bible. And she's right. Now, the world despises the Bible. The idea that there is an absolute truth just appalls the world. Anybody who believes the Bible is a fundamentalist or they're a Bible thumper. George Barna, the researcher, declared 72% of the people in America do not believe in such a thing as absolute truth. And so because we teach the Bible is truth, that, that, that it's God's word, that it's endured the generations, that it has proven the test of time. And when it is taught, there's just something in it that just resonates in us, that it's just true. Number five, we value the family as the basic unit of God. God said to Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The family is made up of people who are related to one another by marriage, birth, or adoption. And it is a basic building block of society. A marriage between one man and a woman is like a life is a lifelong commitment and is a symbol of God's commitment to his people. But the world undermines marriage as outdated and not important and and, and it's disregarded. And, and so today we say, well, it's okay to just live together. I was watching uh, just this week an old interview between Woody Allen and uh, Billy Graham. Willie, Woody Allen and Billy Graham. The first thing I noticed was it was such a respectful dialogue. And uh, Woody Allen said, now we come from different perspectives and there's not much we disagree on. And Billy laughed and they talked to one another. I was like, boy, the times have changed, haven't they? You can't even have a conversation these days without somebody getting upset. So they're talking to one another. And, and during the conversation, Woody looks at Billy Graham and he goes, uh, he says, uh, Billy, you believe in not having sex before marriage. And, and uh, Billy goes, yeah, I think that's right. He said, the Bible says that's right. And says, uh, God doesn't give you these rules to oppress you. He gives you rules to keep you, you know, uh, so that you'd be safe and protected and, and so that you'd be able to flourish. And, and, and what he goes, well, I don't know. To me, he said, it's just like uh, if you try to go to a, a car dealership 
and you get a car, but you never test drive it. Just doesn't seem right to me. And they talk about it, and Billy reinforces the value of what it means to have family. Now today, you can't really disagree, it seems like, about much at all. But those same kind of disagreements exist, and there's a whole worldview that says, oh, let's just get away with these old values. But we uphold them. Why? Because like Billy Graham said, we think that within the laws of God, there is safety and security, and there's this preciousness, and there is this beautiful thing that God creates. And so we communicate to our children that family is precious. Number six, we value the church as the called of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. The, the church is of great value because Christ sacrificed for her. And though the church isn't perfect, it is the bride of Christ, and it has been sanctified by his blood. Now, the world thinks the church is irrelevant. Look, believe what you want. Just stay in your own four walls. Separation of church and state. Don't give it to us. That's all we say. But we want to communicate to our children the importance of the church to, to our kids, that, that they know that, that our commission is to go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teaching them everything that Christ has, has commanded. So we value the church. And number seven. We value the government as established by God. Did you know the Bible says that God set the boundaries in which the nations should dwell? That God established nations. He appointed kings and rulers. And the Bible says one day he's going to judge the nations. And so we recognize the value of individual countries. We respect and honor the men and women who gave their lives that we might be free. And, and and if you're not sure that God actually said this, read Romans 13 sometime. That whole beginning section is about how God said that we should honor the governmental authorities because God established those so that we might be protected, et cetera, et cetera. But today, the institution of government is also under attack. Movements to defund the police, movements to silence differing views, it undermines our ability to, to honor our country. Patriotism is passe. Flag-waving is old-fashioned. National heroes are subject to ridicule. And yes, there are things that we should learn through our history, but we must communicate to the next generation that the government was established by God. And we should be respectful about how we communicate about that. Now, what I want to say now is that I'm going to give you, just real quick, six principles. <laughs> I know this is like a 13-point message. Hang with me, okay? Hang with me. But uh, six principles on how we pass these along. Here they are real quick. Okay, here we go. Number one, I think it really begins, if you're going to pass these on, these values on to the next generation, you have to be totally sold out to Christ yourself. You'd expect me to say be a good example, but I'm saying it goes beyond being an example. It's not just that you're modeling it when the kids are around. It is who you are, Okay. It is that you are devoted to the Lord because young people have a way of perceiving what's really in your heart, what's not in your heart. 1 Corinthians 1, or 11, 1 says, follow my example as I follow Christ. And when we are sold out to Christ, it, it then is passed on to the next generation. And uh, we're not perfect, but there's a realness about it. Secondly, we need to impart our values by building loving relationships with our children. Loving relationships. Josh McDowell in his book, Right from Wrong, establishes this principle, and he says, rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. In other words, if all you do is just pass down rules based on your authority, your kids are going to rebel based on that. 
But if you genuinely love your kids, love your family, then it's going to come out of that relationship that you have the ability to, to make an influence and a difference. First John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Think about the people that impacted you. Was it somebody who just laid down the law all the time? Was it somebody who just told you what to do? Or was it somebody who loved you and had a relationship with you? Somebody who actually spent time with you? And so I think this idea of just loving our kids, some people say, yeah, but my kid's making really bad decisions. Well, in the end of the day, your relationship with them and how you love them, I think matters more than anything. And then through that, you might have the opportunity to influence them in a positive way. I love what Gary Smalley said. He said, create some difficult circumstances in your family, hardships. Like he said, go camping sometime. He said, and when you go camping, what you'll find is it's fun, but it builds relationships because you fight. You have to suffer through the bugs. The tent won't go up very well. The fire won't start. Two weeks later, you're laughing about it. Five years later, you're still laughing about it. He says those experienced through hardship are what help to bond relationships. So I'd say create some of those. Go skiing together. Put up wallpaper together. Become Bengals fans together. Some difficult experiences, all right? Some difficult experiences. Whatever they are, but create those moments where you're spending time together. Number three, another thing we need to do is saturate their lives early with the Word of God. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. And when your kids are little, help them understand the Word of God. Help them memorize the Word of God. It's amazing what their little minds will pick up as opposed to what our old minds forget. Amen. You know what I'm saying? It's harder now to memorize than it used to be. Uh, throughout your home, the Bible says uh, in Deuteronomy, put these things on your doorposts, on your, on your walls. And I remember growing up, my mom and dad had several things in our home that represented Christ or a Bible verse. And Lisa does a really good job of that, different parts of our home. And just to remind our family and those who come in what our faith is, it's important to us. Look for opportunities to spontaneously talk about the Lord. Uh, you don't have to just create these moments. Just look for moments. I think one of the best times to talk to your kids is at bedtime because a lot of times, especially when they're young, that seems like an open uh, area to be able to talk. I'll tell you another one is when you're in the car together. You know why? They can't go anywhere. Is there a totally captive audience? You talk about whatever, and, and right there, they're not just going to jump out. And uh, I, I think you talk positively about these things and give them instruction from the Word of God as you're walking along the way. Another thing that I think we do is minimize their exposure to the world's propaganda. You, you can't isolate your kids Totally, they have to be in the world, but not of the world. But when they're young, uh, you want to make sure that you keep that innocence as long as you can. And let me just tell you, this is really, really challenging today. I think it's more challenging today than ever, right? I, I mean, when I was a kid, I couldn't even go over to Sean Watson's house and stay the night until my parents had met Sean Watson's parents, all right? And, and when that happened, okay, you can stay over here. They, they've made the cut. And, and, and then, so they knew who our friends were. They generally knew where we were going, uh, we did not have cell phones, so all you have was the, the home telephone, and, and anybody could pick it up at any time, you know, and listen to it, and, uh, and that's just the way it was, and usually we didn't have TVs. I didn't have a TV in my room, so even TV watching was generally kind of screened out. You knew what, what to do, and our parents generally said, 
They weren't concerned about people taking you and things like that back then. So they just say, when the street lights come on, that's when you need to be home, right? It's like, just go out and play and get out of here and uh, then come back. And then uh, I think there was just something good about that. Today it's difficult to do that. When our, with our kids having kind of entertainment at their fingertips all day long, thousands of voices literally speaking into their self-image, literally speaking into their political views, their cultural values. And so this is happening more and more and more. And I would love to help you walk through this. I know there are parents who, when it comes to cell phones, they give them very early. Some wait very late. We, we waited some time until they were involved in sports and needed to make a phone call, uh, maybe junior high or so, but it, it's difficult to know, I know. Some have those, uh, a lot of screening on their phones. Some track their kids. Uh, they, they know everywhere where they're going, and I, I think that, that's probably helpful in terms of if you're worried about if they're going to be abducted or taken. We, we never did that. I, I wanted our kids to know we trusted them. I, I, uh, when it came to their phones, I would say, I need to know your password, especially early on, and I have the opportunity to check it whenever, but I, I often didn't. I don't know if we erred too much on the side of, of trust or some erred too much on the side of um, just really strong arming and watching over it very, very carefully. I just think we have to kind of balance that, figure that out, pray about it. God will give you wisdom. But remember this principle good in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And the bad company that our kids have today is, is just thousands of voices speaking to them. Parents, I think we have to be smart. We're, we're not our kids' uh, friend. We're our kids' uh, parents. And, and there are so many things that are undermining these values that I'm talking about. I think we have to protect our kids for as long as we can. There are some no-brainers out there. When your 16-year-old comes to you and says, I want to go to Fort Lauderdale with my friends uh, on spring break, that might be an opportunity to say, no, I've seen the videos. All right, I've seen those videos. But parents have wisdom and have courage to be able to protect the innocence of your children. Number five. Another thing we can do is show respect for the church. Your attitude toward the church will be a lot more influential on your children than what is said or done when they come here. If they see you sacrificing, if they see you unselfishly attending, if they hear you being positive, that's going to have a tremendous influence on them. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, the Lord's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. It was through the church then that God wanted His mission, his purpose to be taught as well as in the home. And, uh, and again, I don't, I don't think we got it all perfect for sure, but I, I love the fact that our kids still want to come to church. You've always heard the stories about preacher's kids, PKs, and how they're crazy and all that. And, and uh, I, I love the fact that our kids are involved. Hannah, this morning, we were up with her at 2 a.m. as she left to go to school to go to Guatemala and serve the Lord. And, um, you know, all of them are on their own journey, figuring out their relationship with God. And, uh, and I think that's good. But one of the things that they do is they do enjoy and appreciate the church. We just have never been negative about the church. Um, and I would encourage you to do the same. I also think we should be positive about their role models here at church. By the way, they have a lot of negative role models out there. That's why as, as lead pastor here, Anytime Josh gets up to speak, I always make some comment about it the next week, sometimes joking, but almost always like, wow, wasn't that a great message Josh gave last week? So good. And, and, and Andrew, didn't you really appreciate what he, and don't you really appreciate Andrew leading our, 
our students, or Aaron and Lisa leading our kids, and thanks to those volunteers for what they're doing, and, and I want to be their greatest champion because I want our kids to be like, yeah, I love Josh, I love it, I want to be like them, you know, I love Miss Aaron because I want them to have positive role models in their life, and, and, and I want them to be able to say, don't we go to a great church, kids? But if we go home and we complain about this or that, one of the things I love about Acts is we don't have a whole lot of that. We have a lot of positive uh, thoughts. Finally, number six, I think pray for your children daily and pray with them regularly. Jesus told his disciples, you ought to always pray and never give up. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, uh, continue to pray. Some of you have children that are strained spiritually. Don't give up on them. Find attractive ways to communicate your values as best as you can, and then pray hard for them every day. I really believe that that is going to make a big difference. My grandfather, my dad's dad, was one of the most tender-hearted men ever. Farmer, uh, as a, as grew up as a farmer. He got an eighth-grade education. That was all. He could not hear very well because uh, he had an illness as a child, and yet he was so loving, loved the Lord. His spiritual story was when he was a teenager, he walked into the back of a church in Buford, Ohio, because he just felt like that's where he should be. He just knew that there was something more. Even though he didn't have a long history of faith, he knew that there was something that really, really mattered that was out there. And he prayed. Once he came to a relationship with God, he just started praying. God, would you give me ministers in our family? And if you give me ministers, God, if you, I'm going I'm to make sure that they are raised the right way. He took them to youth rallies. He prayed. And guess what? He said, God, if you give me twins, I'll make sure they're ministers. And he prayed. And Ronnie and Donnie were born. Both of them gave their heart and their life to Christ. Both of them joined the ministry. And my grandfather would say over the years, I'm so happy I've got five ministers in my family. Well, he's in heaven now, but that number has grown and grown into the next generation. And, and, and the legacy of faith started when as a teenager himself, he walked through the back doors of a church and said, there's something more to this life. And he wanted to come to Christ. Here's what I'm saying. Even if you're the first in your family to have a faith, that's okay. It's never too, too late to start a legacy. It's never too late to start a legacy. One little boy was asked if he believed in God. He said, yeah, I do. And then he was asked why. He said, I don't know. But I think it just kind of runs in the family. And I think that that is what we want. Generation upon generation of people that understand what God's values are and they live those values out, and they teach them in their home and in their daily life. To that end, let's pray. God, we pray today that you would remind us about these values. Remind us what's important, God, <clears throat> that these things are fundamental to the faith, that, that we value you as, as the creator, that you, we value your creation, we value the earth, we, we take care of it because we want to be good stewards of what you've given us. We value people as a creation of God, race, all races, all faiths, all people, God. All economic statuses, all age groups. And that in that great diversity, God, you have created this beautiful thing called humanity. And God, we value the Bible as the word of God. That we believe it's truth. God, we, we value the church. We value the family, God. And we value the government that you've established. 
And so God, to the best of our ability, we respect those um, in authority. And God, to the best of our ability, we respect our fellow man. And so God, help us to live out these values in a way that would teach the next generation about these principles because every single one of them are under attack today. And so God, help us to lead well, help us to love well, and help us, God, to do it in a way that you'd be honored by. We thank you, God, for these, for these things, and we just ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.